Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we remember the Zambia air disaster of 1993, when Zambia lost most of their national team players in a crash off the coast of Gabon. And in 2012, fittingly, Zambia were to go on to win the Nations Cup in Gabon. Also, as mental health is an issue right now, we have an interview with Gambian Cherno Samba. When a dream move to Liverpool fell through, Samba battled with depression and he attempted suicide. I was hurt. I was isolated. I was, I was bitter. That's coming later, and we have a very clever commentary from Sierra Leone to promote coronavirus awareness. Good evening as you grudgingly take a seat in this particular pandemic stadium where Team Sierra Leone is locking arms with Team COVID-19 in this pandemic World Cup. That's coming up shortly, and special greetings to you wherever you are, especially if you're in lockdown in your country. We're in the fourth week of a lockdown here in Zimbabwe. And as the football picture remains uncertain in most countries around Africa, there are plans to resume the German Bundesliga next month, just two weeks from now, on the 9th of May, if all goes well. And this, in a way, gives an indication as to how long we might have to wait in Africa. The details show how hard it will be for most African leagues to resume any time soon. 20,000 COVID-19 tests will be needed for regular checks on players and other personnel in Germany for this to happen. Now, here in Zimbabwe, there's been a total of just around 5,000 tests so far. And many other countries in Africa have low testing figures too. So looking at the resources, I suspect it's going to be a long wait in many countries before football returns and difficult for the clubs to meet their expenses. More on this next week and certainly we do hope for the best. Now, next Tuesday, the 28th of April, marks 27 years since Zambia lost most of their national team players when the plane they were travelling in crashed into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Gabon shortly after taking off from Libreville. They were heading to Senegal for a World Cup qualifier and a stopped for refuelling. Muno John in Zambia wrote to us with this account of the disaster, which we voiced over. The team was destined for great heights. But the cruel hand of death robbed the nation of a great footballing story that this team was making. The team was determined to make Zambia proud as they were on course to make it to the 1994 World Cup in the USA. The tragedy still resonates vividly in the minds of many Zambian fans and the families who lost their loved ones. The plane had 30 people on board, that is five crew members, 25 players, coaching staff, and officials from the FA, and Captain Kalusha Bralia was supposed to link up with the team in Senegal, and that is how he survived the crash. Another to have survived the crash is Agri Chiyangi, and now the Choma Green Eagles coach. He was dropped from the travelling party at the 11th hour. Bralia was instrumental in building a new team post the plane crash. The team performed beyond expectations by going all the way to the final of the 1994 Africa Cup of Nations in Tunisia, losing to Nigeria. The hand of fate did repay Zambia in 2012 as they won the Nations Cup for the first time in Gabon, where their predecessors died on a similar quest of bringing victory to Mother Zambia. 
Christopher Katongo, the inspirational captain, managed to bring smiles on the faces of the Zambian fans. And Kalushi Abgalia was the Zambian FA president at the time of the victory. Many in Zambia still believe that the 1993 team is the best that Zambia has ever seen and still argue that had it not been for death, this team would have conquered Africa and taken Zambia to the World Cup. So we voiced over that report from Muno John in Zambia. I remember very well the legendary Zambian commentator Dennis Liwewe reporting on BBC Radio uh, the grief in his voice as he spoke of the fallen heroes of Zambia. Well, Ida, this remains one of the most moving stories in the history of African football and with such a happy ending in a way too. Incredibly moving, Steve. And here's to hoping for continued strength for everyone who was affected by that crash almost three decades ago. Well, it's a story that touches across the board. I mean, both young and old, uh, because at the end of the day, there are many on the continent now who might either have been one, maybe too young when the crash happened or two, maybe not even born yet. But Steve, the human interest, it resonates across all ages. There is a common grief that brings everyone together. And, you know, as you've said there with a the happy ending, uh, a culminating triumph that ultimately, you know, provides a celebratory moment for anyone who knows about this story. And when people say that that was the best Chipolo Polo team in history, Steve, it's not simply out of sentiment because of everything that happened. I mean, that was a team that thrashed Italy 4-0 at the 1988 Olympics. And that was on the way to reaching the quarterfinals. And 88 was generally a brilliant year for Zambian football because that was the same year that Kalusha Bualia won the African Player of the Year award. And when people talk about survivors of the 1993 plane crash, well, survivors in this case, courtesy of not catching the flight, uh, Bualia is definitely the most notable. But there were also the likes of Musonda, the likes of Simfokwe, who went on ultimately to make something of themselves. Now, the coach of that Chipolo Polo team, Steve, the late Godfrey Chitalu, was generally considered to be one of the greatest players in Zambia's history had a storied career, scoring close to 80 goals for Zambia in over 100 appearances. And it gives even more insight into the sort of talent that was ultimately lost in the crash. It's a story of tragedy to triumph. It was a massive full circle moment, Steve. And, you know, almost 30 years later, it's beautiful to see that there were positives, you know, from that horrible tragedy. Yes, that 2012 Nations Cup triumph for Zambia seemed almost destined to happen at uh, the same place where the tragedy took place and the players seemed driven to go all the way in Gabon. Thanks, Ida. Now, while we're all affected by the coronavirus in some way and life has changed for most of us, we're making sure that Planet Sport Football Africa gives you plenty of entertainment every week to lift your spirits. Here's something from Sierra Leone, a humorous and educational football commentary to promote coronavirus awareness. This is the voice of Julian Cole, a lawyer and former sports commentator, now serving as a member in the Judicial Committee of the Sierra Leone Football Association. Good evening as you grudgingly take a seat in this particular pandemic stadium where Team Sierra Leone is locking arms with Team COVID-19 in this pandemic World Cup. 
Team COVID-19 unexpectedly booked its place to this pandemic World Cup and is simultaneously playing several games against various other teams across the globe. And this encounter against Team Sierra Leone is very crucial in the countries and the globe's match towards health and economic well-being once again. Both teams are now in the pitch. Team COVID-19 captained by Dangerous Corona. Other players on Team COVID-19 include fearful virus, troublesome fever, difficult tiredness, annoying dry cough, tormenting pains, disturbing nasal congestion, wicked runny nose, irritating sore throat, and draining diarrhea. Team Sierra Leone is captained by anti-COVID task force. Other great players on Team Sierra Leone include selfless doctors, committed nurses, ancillary health workers, security personnel, media practitioners, civil activists, political leaders, regular hand washing, social distancing, sneezing into elbow, coughing into elbow, mask wearing, and most importantly, salon people. And here goes the whistle for the start of the match. Ball is with dangerous corona, who makes a pass of fearful virus. Virus dribbles and chips one in for troublesome fever. Troublesome fever controls. Team COVID-19 is sure to be defeated by Team Sierra Leone, just as it will be defeated by every other team across the globe. This commentary is sure to come back to you for completeness sake when Team Sierra Leone and all the other teams around the world would have beaten Team COVID-19 into total disappearance. No doubt, Team Sierra Leone shall surely win this match and together the global community will certainly rise again in good health and prosperity. Well, absolutely brilliant, and we surely will see COVID-19 defeated in the end. That's Julian Cole. He's a legendary figure in Sierra Leone. He's a lawyer and former sports commentator and now serves as a member in the Judicial Committee of the Sierra Leone Football Association. Now, while there's virtually no live sporting action to watch in most parts of the world, many people are making the most of computer games for a bit of competition at this time. There have been record numbers playing the Championship Manager game, and a legendary figure in Championship Manager is Cherno Samba. Samba is from the Gambia, and in real life, as a teenager, he had a bright future when he was set to join Liverpool. But when the transfer fell through, Samba battled with depression, and he attempted suicide. Now, Samba played in the lower leagues of English football and in Spain, Finland and Norway. He also became one of the world's best virtual footballers in the video game championship manager. Well, he's now 35 and retired from football. And Mamadou Ba spoke to Samba when he was in the Gambia last year and found out more about his story. I was born here in Gambia and left here at the age of six. When I went to England, um, well, I got scouted playing for my, my school football team. And there was a gentleman called Harry Gerber who spotted me and said, that number 10 was his name. So they've told him and then he said, this guy can play at the highest level. So from then on, I went on and um, played for Mottingham Youth, which was a Sunday league. And then I got scouted by Millwall. It was Millwall, West Ham and Charlton. But we decided to stay with Millwall because Millwall was closer to my house. So I went there and I was just banging goals left, right and centre. At the age of 13, I was scoring 132 goals in 32 games where Michael Owen had the record for schoolboy record, but then I took it off him. And till today, it's not been broken yet, So, uh, which is nice, you know. Um, so after that, I got sky, uh, I've got picked for England. I was 14, 15, playing a year above my age um, with the likes of Darren Bent, Glenn Johnson, David Bentley and all those players. My, my second game against Wales, I scored a goal, got man of the match, and we won 3-1. So that's when all the attention came. So it was Liverpool, Manchester United, Leeds at the time, and Arsenal. So I went to Liverpool first, 
and um, the, 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 the interest and the love they showed me was on beyond belief. Um, I remember Joe Ahuli had asking me who was my favourite player. So I said to him it was Michael Owen at the time. So after my first um, training with, 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 with Liverpool, I went back and then I had to go to Manchester. Man United went to Leeds and Arsenal. Then Michael phoned me and said, look, you'll be, you'll be very well looked after and stuff. And that turned my head and I couldn't let Michael down. Do you know what I mean? So, but having said that, it was just the love that they showed me. They showed, even though I'm a Manchester United fan, you know, I decided to go with Liverpool because of the love and the, 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 the care they showed me. But then, unfortunately, um, Mill wanted £2 million where Liverpool said um, they would stay with 1.5. And Emil said, well, no, they want um, two million. So Liverpool said, all right, fine, no problem. We'll give two million. But then the price just kept going up, just going up. So obviously the deal was off. The deal was off. And um, bear in mind, at this time, both clubs knew, my mum and dad knew, my agent knew, except me. So after two weeks back and forth negotiations, my dad called me down from the kitchen. And I came down and he just said to me, look, I don't know if you've realised your mum's not the best at the moment. And I said, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with her. Why is she like this? He said, well, the deal's off. You're not going to Liverpool. And I just, that crushed my world, man. I was devastated. I was, um, I remember just dropping on the kitchen floor, just crying like a little boy. Um, but something, certain things happened while I was on that floor crying. The first thing that came to my head was, I don't want nothing to do with football. I don't want to play football for the rest of my life. I just want to enjoy football with my mates, playing in a park and mess about. I was only 15, but something crazy came to my mind, which was if I was to stay in football, all I cared about was by the time I finish my football career, I want to make sure I'm financially stable for myself and my family. Yeah, so, um, you know, for me, I don't think I recovered after that. Talk us through those difficult moments in your life. Yeah, it was, it was very difficult because what's, what, what happened is after when that happened, um, I stopped playing football for six months. And um, in the end, the chairman came to my house and we sat down and we just said, look, fine, I'll come back. So I was guaranteed um, professional contract at the age of 17 because in England you can't sign a professional contract until you're 17. So um, I was only 15, 16. So when I became 17, I signed a, fr a three-year contract. And then at the age of 19, um, my contract came up and then I went to Spain. Now, at Spain, I was getting paid very well, very, very well. You've got a house looking over the beach. The weather's nice in Spain. The food is nice in Spain. The football is beautiful. What more do you want? But I was isolated. I was hurt. I was isolated. I was I was bitter. You know, I was so bitter because I kept constantly thinking about the deal that didn't happen at Liverpool. And I was having nightmares. I was sweating at night. I was having nightmares. I was dreaming. I failed in my own country in England and I had to be shipped out to Spain. So that was constantly in my mind. So it was a difficult moment, but then and what happened was, to put me to sleep, I used to take tablets from um, from the physio room. And then one day I overdosed myself. And normally a friend of mine would come and call me and I'll come downstairs and then we'll go training. But on this particular time he came, he called my phone and no one answered the phone. They said, well, this is not normal because Jono is very professional. He's always the first one to actually come down and wait for me. So um, he came upstairs and then um, knocked on the door and no one answered. So he just broke the door in and um, I was lying there. So the paramedics came. How did you deal with depression? So, so before that incident happened, nobody knew what, was, what I was going through. I, I wouldn't talk to anybody. You know, I was afraid to speak because I felt if I spoke, I would look upon as I'm weak. Well, I think I was weak for not speaking out.
You understand what I mean? Because these little things, you need to talk to someone. You just need to, if your girlfriend, your wife, your mom, your dad, your, your dog, whoever it is, you just need to speak to someone. So what I used to do, I used to bottle a lot of things in. You know, I couldn't sleep at night and I used to bottle in a lot of things in. So, which is a wrong thing to do. So my thing is, anybody that's, just talk to anyone. Just, just your friend, just, just, have, just, just talk to someone because they can help. Let's talk about your success in the championship. Um, championship manager game mm-hmm. at a young age, Chano Samba, the name Chano was renowned the whole, the world all, all over. How did you manage that success? It, it's, it, it was a funny one because um, I think some of the reason why as well, it has a little bit of impact on me because the pressure was so much on me. You know, bear in mind, at 15, I was tipped to win the World Cup for England in 2006. That's a big pressure, <laughs> you understand? So with that championship manager, you know, I was constantly looking at the stats to produce my form. So when I'm playing the game and stuff, I always knew I had to burst and do certain things. I was always making sure that I was remembering that my stats said this, so I've got to always deliver this. And now I'm actually doing some work with them. So who would have thought that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's quite a remarkable story, very relevant as well for these times. That's from our archive from last year. That's Cherno Samba from The Gambia speaking to Mamadou Ba. At that time, he was releasing his book called Still in the Game. And on Championship Manager, as I say, very popular activity right now. And Samba, legendary in that video game. And if you are feeling low, even in depression maybe at this time, maybe struggling because of a lockdown in your country, if you've had your livelihood or business affected by coronavirus that advice from Cherno Samba very appropriate indeed do talk to someone do get help don't keep things all to yourself let someone else know how you are feeling and uh, this situation with the coronavirus uh, certainly will pass in time well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. On Twitter, we are at Planet Sport FA. And now we turn to social media. Last week, we asked uh, which African player in the English Premier League has impressed you most this season outside of the big three. And no doubt most of us would say the top three African players so far this season are Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But outside of these three, we asked which African player has impressed you most. Well, on Facebook, Abli Osise in Cyprus says my choice definitely has to be the Senegalese prodigy Ismaila Saar at Watford. Saar has been terrific for the Hornets since his arrival and his impressive performances against Man United and Liverpool have been the key highlights of his stellar debut season so far, says Abli. Meanwhile, Dean Kambole Mulando in Zambia says for me it's Riyad Mahrez. Man City's game changes for the better whenever he comes on. He scores spectacular goals and puts pressure on defenders from the right wing. On WhatsApp, Mohamed in the UK agrees, saying Mares is my choice because he's the fastest player and lovely to watch, says Mohamed. And another Mohamed, this time in Sierra Leone, also chooses the Algerian forward. I think Mares has done so well on the wing for Man City this season, despite his team struggling in their title ambitions, says Mohamed. And another fan of the Algerian is Francisco Dodoma in Malawi. I salute Mares, says Francisco. He integrated well with his colleagues at City and also like his footwork. It's incredible. Fredo in Uganda agrees, saying for me it's Mares because he's perfect for that role with Man City. 
Mwinga Maimbalawe in Zambia goes for a midfielder rather than a forward. I'd say Wilfred Ndidi of Leicester, says Mwinga. He's been so immense for the Foxes, but rarely gets the credit he deserves as he's been overshadowed by the goal scorers. To me, without a doubt, Ndidi's been the best African player this season apart from Salah, Mane and Obama Yang. And Dembo Sane in the Gambia agrees, saying for me it's Wilfred Ndidi because he's helped Leicester to keep a balanced midfield. His timely interceptions and tackles have been excellent this season, says Dembo. Dauda B. Jobe is in the Gambia too. It has to be Ismaila Saar, says Dauda, because he's improved game by game and proved a point by scoring twice against Liverpool. And Usman Kale, also in the Gambia, agrees. I say Ismaila Saar for the simple fact that he was at the centre of Liverpool's first league defeat, says Usman. Bakari Tamba in the Gambia agrees. Saar has proved he has a lot of skill and talent this season, says Bakari. He's helped Watford in some key games against Man United and Liverpool, scoring goals and making assists. He's a young talent with a great future in the Premier League. Usma Mohamed in Cameroon also goes for the young Senegalese striker. That guy proved his ability with those two goals against the Giants' Liverpool, says Usman. And Saar also gets the nod from Musa Gibber in the Gambia, also citing his goals against Liverpool and United. Meanwhile, Emma in Ghana chooses Crystal Palace's Ghanaian striker. Jordan Ayew is my choice, says Emma. He's been at the forefront in rescuing crucial points, especially from the big teams, and was in top form prior to the untimely halting of the season. Aliou Conte and the Gambia agree, saying Jordan Ayew at Palace for me. His performance this season has been good, says Aliou. And Khalifa Sanyang, also in the Gambia, goes for the Black Stars striker too. Ayew has single-handedly kept Palace alive this season with crucial goals and his overall contribution this season has been impressive, says Khalifa. Another fan of the Ghanaian striker is Clement in Ivory Coast. I'll pick Jordan Ayew, the Crystal Palace star man, says Clement. He's been in fantastic form and scoring winning goals for his club, which has seen them move up the league table. Now, Kaya Sunsise is in the Gambia. The one who impressed me the most is the Nigerian forward who joined Manchester United in January, Odion Igalo, says Kaya Sun, because his performance has strengthened United's strike force. And finally, Modu MR Jack, also in the Gambia, agrees. It has to be Igalo, says Modu. After the Nigerian came to United, he played in eight games and scored four goals. With his help, United are improving. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments and staying with this as there is no action in the English Premier League right now. Stuart's been taking a look at how the African players have done so far. Uh, so two weeks ago, he gave us his top five. That was Mane, Salah, Aubameyang, Jordan Ayew and Marvellous Nakamba of Aston Villa. Uh, last week, he looked at the likes of Mares and Nicolas Pepe, who've done well. This week, Stuart highlights those who've had an average season so far. Let's start with Aston Villa's Mahmoud Hassan Trezeguet from Egypt. The 25-year-old previously played in Belgium and Turkey. Now, he's been involved in 24 of Villa's games this season, sometimes as a starter, sometimes off the bench, and he scored three goals. And it's his first season in the Premier League, so I'd call that uh, a pretty decent start. Ahmed El Mohamedi from Egypt is in his 10th season in English football, having played for Sunderland and Hull City and currently at Aston Villa. Now, he was a regular starter for Villa in his first two seasons, but this season has only had eight starts. But, of course, he's 32, not getting any younger. He spent most of his 
career in the Championship and now that Villa are in the Premier League, it's just that little bit more of a challenge for anyone, let alone him, anyone who's on the wrong side of 30, you might say. Moussa Djenepo from Mali, aged 21, is also in his first season in the Premier League, having played for Standard Liège in Belgium. He's made 10 starts and 8 substitute appearances, scoring twice for Southampton in the Premier League this season. And his teammate Sofiane Bouffal from Morocco is in his third season with Southampton, remains a valuable squad player, starting 8 games and coming off the bench 11 times. And of course, Southampton looked to be absolute certainty for relegation until they put together that amazing run to take them up to mid-table and our two African players have contributed. Kelechi Ihanetsu from Nigeria is always, for me, an enigma. The Leicester City player, remember how he got into the Manchester City team when he was 19 years old and scored 12 Premier League goals as well as an FA Cup hat-trick? But despite that, the competition for places at Manchester City was such that he only managed 12 starts and 34 substitute appearances before moving to Leicester City in 2017. But the picture has been a bit the same there, where he's had twice as many substitute appearances as starts. And this season, from August to November, he only played in two League Cup ties when, frankly, the first team players were being rested. Then on the 1st of December, he got his Premier League chance as a substitute and scored the winning goal against Everton. But he still only got seven starts and five substitute appearances for his three goals. And one really wonders if he's destined to be a player who spends his career as a squad player and super sub. But he's still only 23, so he had a career ahead of him. Geoffrey Slup from Ghana has had nine starts for Crystal Palace and five substitute appearances. And that pretty much sums up his career. Ten seasons in the Premier League with Leicester and Crystal Palace, and only in one season, that was at Leicester, was he a regular starter. But, you know, to play ten years in the Premier League is a great achievement. He's made over 200 appearances, scored 16 goals, and was part of that historic Leicester City Premier League Championship winning team in 2016. But he's never quite managed to nail down a regular starting place. But a successful career with some frustrations. My final two in this category are Eric Bailly and Odin Egalo at Manchester United. Bailly, an Ivorian, has had one start and one substitute appearance for Manchester United this season, returning after 10 months out with injury. He must have been more frustrated than most at the timing of the suspension of the season, just when he'd got back to fitness. But he'll come again, and will soon be in competition with Victor Lindelof for that starting place alongside Harry Maguire. Now, I struggle to decide whether Odin Agallo from Nigeria could be called a success or failure at Manchester United. As far as the Premier League goes, his four substitute appearances amounted to 34 minutes. On the other hand, he started two Europa League games and a cup tie, scoring four goals. Realistically, he is the third striker behind Anthony Martial and Mason Greenwood, and will be the fourth striker when Marcus Rashford is fit again. So if he stays at Manchester United, I think he's always going to struggle for Premier League game time. But if he's willing to accept his role as fourth striker and play mainly in cup ties with perhaps short bursts off the bench, he can have a successful few years at Manchester United, assuming, of course, 
that the club offers him a longer contract. But if he expects to be a first-choice Premier League striker at Old Trafford, I think it will end in disappointment. But you know, Steve, the one thing I've learned about the makeup of Premier League footballers is great self-belief. I remember once talking to Tim Howard, asking him how he coped with the reality that he was Manchester United's second goalkeeper behind Edwin van der Sar. He replied to me that he saw a different reality, one in which he replaced van der Sar as number one goalkeeper. And I imagine Igalo sees himself as the number one striker at Manchester United in waiting. Time will tell if his dream can be fulfilled. Yes, a very interesting, that perspective. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, now, before I go, on social media this week, we're asking, what are you missing most about football? Of course, it's been weeks now with no football in most parts of the world. So what are you missing most? Is it going with friends to the stadium to watch your team, uh, gathering to watch an English Premier League or UEFA Champions League match, uh, maybe being at home and being able to watch all of the football on TV, uh, perhaps uh, taking part yourself in social matches matches or even just leaving the house and going out in the street to kick a ball around. Tell us, what are you longing to do? What are you missing most about football? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's on Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. So that's it for the show for this week. Do stay safe. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, from Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.